Greetings, cinephiles. Are you looking for a movie analysis podcast that stands above the rest? Then look no further than Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters. We analyze good movies, we analyze bad movies, and yes, we also analyze the in-betweens of the world of cinema. So if you like what you hear, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And yes, my friends, we are 420 friendly. So when you listen to us, smoke smoke it it if you've got got it. it. And now... Here's a new episode of Collateral Gaming. The show starts right now. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Megan Gomez. I'm Zachary Keo. And I'm Dan Rockwood. And this is Collateral Gaming with Victims and Villains. Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything in between. It has been a while since I have set foot in the Collateral Gaming arena, and today we are chilling with our homeboy Dan Rockwood from Victims and Villains. This is going to be awesome. We got some good shit to talk about. Ash, Megan, it is so good to see you guys again. I have missed hanging out and chilling and talking with you guys. And of course, Ash said it before we started recording, but we usually all come together again when it's Zelda on the table. So, and that's fine yeah. with me. Honestly, I love Zelda. So, but how are you guys doing? It's been it's been quite an ex, it's been quite a few months. It's been it's been like a year, but that's fine. <laughs> it's, it hasn't been a year since I've recorded with Ash, but it has been a year since we've kind of all come together. So, but. I know I'm like, is that going to be on this one? Is that going to be on this one? Is that going to be on this one? <laughs> so, um, I think on the last podcast episode, I think Ash and I kind of talked about it. Uh, I got engaged in May. And I actually moved out to where she lives, and I kind of started a new career out here as a salesman. And I'm just kind of working my way up to kind of get established in life, and I've been trying to catch up in the world of gaming. And I'm finally here, finally relaxed and set up, and I am really excited. We got Tears of the Kingdom coming in May. That's super exciting. Mm -hmm. And God of War Ragnarok has released, which all four of us have been kind of getting our hands greasy with, and that's super exciting. Uh, Not a Zelda game. Not a Zelda game, no. Not a Zelda game, but... Boy. <laughs> and actually, courtesy of Megan, I wanted to wait till we started recording for me to tell her, but I am halfway through Horizon Zero Dawn at this point. Oh, I'm so proud. So it is. It's actually really fucking good. And I'm so sorry that I ever shit on it because I'm ready to get into Horizon <laughs> Forbidden West as well. Hell yeah. Well, that well, makes my Aloy loving heart so happy. That is, and, and the God of War fans are going to come at me, but but Horizon Zero Dawn it is my number one single favorite best game on PS4. It's so good. Please play it. I'm hey, so happy me, to play it. it's The Last of Us Part 1 Remastered. So, like, I, I don't blame you at all for saying that it's better than God of War. I do love God of War. Aloy so- is hotter than Joel, okay? Aloy is the boss-ass bitch, okay? <laughs> okay, but Hell Aloy yeah. ain't hotter than Kratos. Kratos can get this Mitos. I mean, Kratos is daddy, but like Aloy, like mommy, <laughs> sorry, mommy, sorry. Yeah, but I've been, I've been we really call enjoying. Call her Dommy Mommy, okay? Dommy Mommy. <laughs> but I've been really, I've been really enjoying Dad of Boy Ragnarok. It's been a fun. <laughs> dad dad so... of Boy resolutions of Dad. <laughs> <It's> been... <laughs> um, but Hell yeah, it's yeah. it's we got a really really fun episode for you guys today. Of course, we're just going to be talking about goofing everything off and... but Zelda. <laughs> yep. Well. Mm-hmm. We should talk about the news because the Game Awards happened. 
Dun, dun, dun. I'm not happy. Yeah, before we get into Zelda, I, I think mm. we should get into the Game Awards. And before we get into that, I think we should let Dan uh, talk a little bit about victims and villains for anybody Please. of our listeners that uh, haven't checked you guys out. Absolutely. Absolutely. We love Dan. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Megan. You're the best. Um, oh. We, uh, yeah, so over at Victims and Villains, we do all kinds of stuff led by Captain Nostalgia himself. Um, and we look at everything through pop culture. It's a lot of movies, a lot of comics. Uh, started doing uh, a little bit of video games, not as much as this over a year, of course, but there's, uh, you know, a new movie comes out, especially new horror film, new Marvel film. Uh, it drops, and they're going to, you know, we're going to do an episode about it. Uh, but we, not only do we talk about stuff, we do it through the scope of mental health. We want to make sure that we are helping to get mental health resources uh, into schools and out to people who need them, particularly promoting uh, suicide awareness and prevention. That is the uh, the heart and soul of what we do over at Victims and Villains. So if you uh, you know want to come out and hang out and listen to us talk some movies and and check out some good mental health you know sides of it as well, uh, that's you know that's what we do over there. Hell yeah, Hell yeah man. man. And, Can uh, I just say also that I just love Dan's podcast and, and Captain Nostalgia's podcast. Like, I listen to it all the time. Like, it's just, it's the greatest thing ever, especially because, like, I know that we had been talking about having you on the Hellblade um, uh, game because that game is just, that is very heavily tied into mental health. And there is a sequel. So, Dan, if you're interested, I'm just saying, I'm I'm extending the invitation. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. Yeah. It's so good. But yeah, I love the fact that you can bring pop culture into a lot of mental health things and how you how you bring the ties together and show those kind of heavy things and and show that it's not bad to talk about them, because I think that's something that um, is kind of getting a resurgence is talking about mental health and the importance of it. And their podcast just oh, chef's kiss. Beautiful. Love it. Love working with uh, victims and villains. We are uh, favorite. Actually, on Collateral Cinema, we kind of have an annual Christmas holiday thing where uh, Captain Nostalgia uh, joins us and then we join him. So this year we did uh, Violent Night on the Victims and Villains end, and then we did Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas on the Collateral (laughs) Cinema end. And that was really, really, really funny to uh, to review a a Christian film with with a Christian, you know? That sounds terrific. What a what a like juxtaposition too with with Violent Night. I feel like those two um, either go really well together or don't go well together at all, depending <laughs> on how you look at it. <laughs> but yeah, love working with victims and villains. Uh, both Collateral Cinema and Collateral Gaming. Uh, we love to do the live stream events, so that's a lot oh, of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I uh, hope that we'll, we'll that there's going to be something maybe this holiday season. I don't know. Hopefully, uh, yeah, it's it's always a blast, you know, getting together with you guys and doing doing those crossovers and everything. And I, I love coming on this podcast, of course. It's funny because like my wife knows what I do with victims and villains, um, but I, I don't tell her every single thing I do. And so I was like, oh yeah, like you know my my Texas video game friends, I'm gonna go hang out with them. And she's like, who, what, who do you, what? And I was like, oh yeah, no. And I'm like, well, you know, one is in Texas, the others, you know, have moved around and there there are others, <laughs> but you know, south of where we are. Uh, you know, my Southern friends, my South friends. Uh, so, 
it's just it's just cool. And um, you know, I say this, it's nice being a part of like I do writing for Tech Raptor and I have I have friends who game. It's just great being able to like have these conversations with people because uh particularly, you know, in my day job or you go other places, video games are bigger than they have ever been, but it's still kind of a niche thing. And if you just don't have a community around that understands it, uh it's like, you know, Tears of the Kingdom comes out day one, all of us are probably gonna be either taking time off work or arranging our schedules to make sure we can play that day one and and there are so many people in my life who that's just going to be another day to them and they don't even care. And so it's nice, you know, understanding people who understand the magnitude of uh, some of these things. And that's really cool. That's so fun. I love that. Yeah, because it's, it's so weird. Like, because so I work in an office full of women and I'm the only one that is a nerd and that games at all. Like I'm talking about like, you know, like, oh, Alan bought me a Lord of the Rings recipe book and there's meat in it and like the ale in it. And they're like. Lord of the what? I'm like, fucking Oh, no. <laughs> like, I'm like, I love all of you women so Lord much, but you're what? disappointing. Yeah, mm. yeah. They, none of them play any video games. None of them know really anything about any, like, Marvel or Disney or anything. And I'm just sitting there Aww. nerding out like, oh, my God, Tears of the Kingdom and ah, Game Awards. And they're like, uh, okay, Meg, well, I'm glad you're happy. <laughs> Do they live in shoeboxes? Um, well, a lot of them are moms and just don't even care about pop culture except for, like, Patrick Swayze throwback clips, but you know it's it's fine. <laughs> okay, I mean fair. Hey, first of hey, all, Patrick fair. Swayze's kind of hot. We though, also, like, funny yeah. enough, have a doctor named Doctor Swayze, so like we kind of oh. make a joke about it all the time. Yeah, we're like Swayze, like Patrick Swayze, Dirty Dancing. No, okay. Yeah, Dirty Dancing, Patrick Swayze is one of my personal fitness goals. So you know, I'm working on it. I'll get there eventually. Just throw her over your shoulder. Don't even lift her up. Just eat, yeah. eat her. It's fine. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, guys, should we talk about the Game Awards? Because a lot of stuff went down. I mean, I think for a lot of us, it was between God of War, Ragnarok, and Elden Ring. I mean, Megan, you probably were hoping for Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah, you want to talk about Southern? I'm about to get heated. My accent's about to come out. I'm a little bit upset. (laughs) Um, I mean, so for one... I'm so happy that Christopher Judge got the the award for voice yes. actor because that mm-hmm. man is amazing and incredible. And I talked about it in the episode that we just did. Um, but Christopher Judge said that this performance was a love letter to his children and an apology to his children. And the the relationship that he has with Sonny, like it just works so perfectly and he deserved it. Um, also, Bear McCreary winning um, best um, game soundtrack. So happy for him. He's made oh, yeah. some amazing scores. He just did uh, Rings of Power and that was bone chilling incredible so for him to get another one for god of war because he did god of war ragnarok i'm just so happy for him and proud of him i'm sad for ashley birch and i'm sad for horizon but i'm i'm just happy that you know like the other franchise that i really love did get some did to get some love and you know like christopher judge has been all over tiktok and everyone's all of a sudden watching um stargate and loving teal and i'm like i'm here for it i'm totally here for it christopher judge deserves it so i'm a little sad but also happy well Elden Ring won Game of the Year, uh-huh. it, and that doesn't surprise me, and I'm and, mm-hmm. not disappointed by it. I think Elden Ring is a phenomenal game. I think it deserves it. I, I mean, I was kind of hoping for Ragnarok. That was my yeah. Game of the Year. Yeah. But uh, Ragnarok did win several awards. Uh, I think at least six, right? Best Narrative, Best mm-hmm. Score and Music for Bear McCreary, uh, Best Audio Design, as you mentioned, Best Performance, Christopher Judge. Uh, best action adventure and innovation in, uh, in accessibility. I love that so freaking much. I'm so happy for freaking um, Santa Monica Studios. They deserve it. 
definitely agreed. And it's funny having access uh, to Twitter, at least for the time being, until, you know, that, that blows up and explodes. <laughs> but um, it's, it's just cool because, like, if you follow some of these developers and follow these studios, they'll give you, like, some sneak peeks as they're developing these games and they'll just show you some showcases. So it is really cool. Like, we as fans and as players are more connected than we have ever been to be able to get a glimpse into the development timelines of these games. It used to be just radio silence. And I mean, from Nintendo, that's basically what we get, right? So they're they're not very forthcoming until they have a direct. But a lot of these studios, it's like, oh, hey, you know, we've been working really hard. And like, here's like a screenshot or here's a glimpse of, you know, what our team is up to. So it's nice because God of War Ragnarok was announced at least a couple of years back um, for... You know, one of those trailers, and it's uh, it's it's just cool because like we've been anticipating it and we've been excited for it, and it's been nice to uh, to just see them, you know, working every day on it, and they they were able to to accomplish it and, and pump out a kick ass game. So definitely oh, yeah. happy to uh, to see that because yeah, they did a really good job. Yeah, God of War Ragnarok, the very beginning of it had me tearing up. They they oh did my God. they oh, did yeah. such a good job with the 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 direction, just. The, I mean, of course, Christopher Judge is going to win the performance. His chemistry with Sunni is just, it's mind-blowing how each character or each voice actor brings those characters to life. And it feels like you're watching a movie. It feels like you're watching one of the highest, just one of the greatest cinematic films ever. That opening sequence blew my mind. And so I'm, I'm yeah. just very happy with all of the love and appraise that it got. So I'm, I'm I thrilled. I like a baby back bitch i won't even lie to y'all i cried like a baby back fucking bitch <laughs> which we will get to talking about in our our uh, god of war episode for sure i can't deny i won't cry i'm sorry not sorry <laughs> <laughs> also worthy of mentioning stray another game that we did uh Yay! recently won best independent game and i believe another award uh best debut indie game most and- I'm so happy for, yeah. for them. That's so great. I am too. The fact um, that it was nominated for a game of the year alongside like God of War Ragnarok and uh, and Horizon Forbidden West. I mean, that, that right? was amazing. Um, so, so cool. Their first freaking game and they get a game of the year award. Like they can only go up from here. And Ash and I talked about it. Like we can't wait to see what they do next. Like they're just, yeah. they're so wholesome. I can't wait for more wholesome games from them. Like that, that is like cozy gaming right there. It's sad as fuck, but it's cozy gaming. I'm excited to see what blue 12 does, whether that is in the universe of stray. Cause I think there's a lot more they could do with that or not. As, as- I know. Ah, <laughs> I just I want more from that game. Like I liked yeah. the you know the the condensed story that they were telling, but I would love for them to open it up and show just more of what they can do with it. And playing as a cat, more places that a cat can go, especially Seriously. with your cat behind you. <laughs> yeah, That's pretty much. Yeah, what Megan and I had to say about it is that like you know mm-hmm. we kind of just wish that there was more. But it's phenomenal for an independent game. Real quickly. Let's also go over most anticipated game, Tears of the Kingdom. Is anybody oh, well, surprised? Oh my goodness, no! I'm so for me, my most through. anticipated is um is a uh, Jedi Survivor. I won't even lie to you. Oh, I'm so freaking excited. So you and me both. I screeched like a banshee, like a banshee. Like I was so excited because not only did we get an actual BD in the televised shows, yeah. now we're getting more Cal Kestis and Cameron Moynihan has said he will sign up for anything with Cal Kestis. Like, are we getting a fucking show? I will scream. I have a strong suspicion that his character will be teased in one of the upcoming shows and potentially have his own spinoff. So I'm I'm looking forward to whatever they do with him. 
I love that so much. I and it, it already looks so incredible. I can't wait to eat some shit off of a cliff like I did. <laughs> okay, I just can't. I'm excited for what they can do with that game with um with the next gen features with like it releasing on PS5. I'm just I I just want more and a, a better realized like I I love um. I, I love the first game so much, and I think that this is just going to really improve on it and build on it in so many ways. And the fact that they're building the Star Wars universe in so many different ways, like, this is something that, like, even, like, my husband's dad would, like, die for because, like, he's seen all the original films. He wears, like, a Vader outfit with, like, a Christmas cape on Christmas. Like, it's a whole thing. Like, Star Wars is a thing in our family. Like, my dad's more of a Trekkie, but I'm a big Star Wars fan, and so is Alan, and we just, we love it, so... To see them expanding more into the video games, getting more into this narrative style instead of just like Lego Star Wars or, you know, like those little like battle games and stuff like that. Not that they're little, but, you know, like actual narrative that's like a big, heavy game that people are really excited about. I'm just I can't wait to see what else um, what else Star Wars does. You know, like there's so many ways they can go. There's more characters they can introduce with mini games and small games. And there's a lot that we could go off of. I just I'm I I am too excited. I could go on for an hour just about Jedi Survivor. All I'm. All I'm going to say is that this Calcastus looks like he cuts stormtroopers in half. And I am ready (laughs) to see what kind of dark shit they bring into this game. Because you know when you're running from Vader, that's going to put age on your face. So I'm I'm ready to see what kind of dark story they can throw in us because the ending of Fallen Order is incredible. Oh and yeah, it leaves you it leaves you wanting so, so much more. So I I can't wait to see what EA does with this. I know. So that was actually Megan and Alan's first episode was Fallen Order. The it other was. day we said it was God of War, but God of War was the second episode y'all were on. Was it really? It was go- it was Fallen Order. No. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that makes me so happy. I'm so happy. Oh, my God. I can't wait. It's March 17th, too. So, like, if we do the episode in time, it'll be, like, around my birthday. I'm just saying. If I have a PS5 (laughs) or YouTube. Zach does. Zach, you're going to be able to play it. Zach, we're just going to have to loan it. Sorry, buddy. (laughs) I know. Let's just get together in person. We'll all bring our PS5s. We can pass the controllers around. (laughs) That's what Alan and I do, though. (laughs) It's a good That's way what to we're do doing it. Ragnarok right now. It's like the best date night. Like you just make some pizza at home, you get Honestly, some wine or beer goals. or whatever, and then like when one of us dies, we just pass the controller off. It's great. My wife and I have been playing uh, Lego Star Wars together. That just the Aww. Skywalker Saga just came to Game Pass, so I've been playing that on my Xbox, and it's fun. It's it's really great couch co op, which there are just not enough couch co op games. It's a lot of online gaming, which is cool, but I really love local multiplayer. So when a game supports that, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Have y'all played It Takes Two? Yeah, we played through It Takes Two last year. That was so, so good. That was our first, like, big, like, co-op experience, I would say, that we played through a whole game together. Yeah, we're doing that next month, actually. It Takes Two. Cool. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. That's that's going to be our, our uh, January episode, and I have never played it before, so that'll be interesting. Uh, one more award, and uh, p- part of me doesn't even want to mention it, but uh, Weeb, Lolly... Uh, Breath of the Wild one player's voice apparently. I mean Genshin Impact. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that one seemed strange to me. The most strange. I mean, no, no shade to fans of that game. I'm just, it's not one that I've uh, been able to see yet. Oh, Check out all the shade. Okay, all right. <laughs> you're all pedos. No, I'm kidding. You're you're not. But still, <laughs> we're also getting um. I don't know if you saw it, Ash. See the fan- Final Fantasy 16? You know, yeah, I heard about that. I haven't watched the trailer yet, but I, I did I did see the news. 
I'm excited because uh, I actually liked Final Fantasy 15 or what I've played so far. So uh, 16 Driving and, around and, in the car and the main character is named Clive. <laughs> so it's just like a normal ass name. Sounds like a mixture of herbs. <laughs> Clive Barton. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anything else? Uh, gaming news wise game awards that y'all wanted to talk about before we get into Zelda. I cut you off. So what were you going to say? I feel bad now. I'm sorry. I forgot. Honestly. Oh, no. <laughs> you just wanted to bring up the Orthodox Rabbi Bill Clinton. That was the real stealer of the night. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm glad that you brought that up because I almost forgot about that. <laughs> In a way, I feel bad giving that guy more airtime because he shouldn't have done that. But at the same time, what what? A, well, everyone else is talking about it. So, But what a weird ending to that. And it just makes me really excited to see what kind of security they have for <laughs> next year's Game Awards. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm just, I'm after seeing everything that's come out this year and seeing everything that is coming out, it makes me very, very excited and very hopeful for the future of gaming in general. Because looking at Ragnarok, looking at, you know, uh, Jedi Survivor, looking at Tears of the Kingdom, all of these games are going to be fucking bangers. And I just, I can't wait. I can't wait to dive into Horizon Forbidden West. I'm just really excited to see where gaming goes. Because... I mean, yeah, life is good, but playing video games fucking rocks. Let's be honest. Best coping mechanism ever. I want that on a t-shirt. Life is good, but video games fucking rock. (laughs) (laughs) That needs to be on our merch, Ash. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, Q1 alone, we're getting Forspoken, the Resident Evil 4 remake. Uh, We're getting Jedi Survivor. Like, the first few months of 2023, we're getting some amazing games. And then um, I I would go into what we're getting Q2, but let's be honest, we're all going to be playing Tears of the Kingdom. So it's like that... That game, you know, comes out in May, and uh, everything else is going to be taking a backseat once that game comes out. Life is good, but gaming fucking rocks, Zachio. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm going to get that. Uh, I'm, I'm, my wife and I are in the process of uh, buying a house at the moment, which is, is super exciting. Um, but I want to get that like really nice, uh, just written up on a sign and put in my office and, and quote uh, Zach on there. So yeah, yeah, yeah you, let's do uh, it. You might be a, a new decoration in my new house. That makes it sound like I'm going to kill you and like stuff you. That's not what I'm going to do. <laughs> we can call it Zaxidermy. <laughs> Love it. Oh, man. <laughs> Apparently two shots of vodka makes my jokes on point tonight. So. <laughs> so, But yeah, like, I'm super excited to dive into A Link Between Worlds because I, I'm I mean, just I mean, it was only your pick, my guy. You know what? Watch, watch your mouth, Megan. We, we, don't, we don't say that shit here. Look, we haven't been on the podcast in a year. I have some animosity. Okay, we haven't done anything together. Right. That is true. get together more often. Um but yeah, Zach, Ash mentioned that this was your pick. This is the game you wanted to do. Tell me what like what does this game mean to you? What uh what was your experience with it like? Well, um between uh Oracle of Ages, A Link to the Past, and Oracle of Seasons, A Link to the Past is one of my favorites of the earlier Zelda games. And with A Link Between Worlds being kind of like a reimagining slash kind of later event catalog of the of A Link to the Past. It's just beautifully done. I love the layout of the map. I love the re-envisioning of Hyrule. I love the design of Lowrule. I love the gameplay. I think it is easily, in my personal opinion, the most gorgeous top-down Zelda game. 
And there's so many beautiful dungeons to talk about. There's so much awesome, riveting story to talk about. I love Yuga as a villain. I love the dynamic between Link and all of the NPCs in the world. I love Princess Zelda. I, I just, I, it's just a beautiful game. And the ability, and plus, the ability to literally phase into the wall and become a painting because of this ability that you have been kind of, you were originally just cursed into it. It just made for so much fun puzzles. So many fun puzzles. Sorry, the alcohol is kind of working on me. So many fun, so many fun puzzles and just so many awesome scenarios. And I've just had, I've had many great experiences playing this game. It's fun to explore. It's fun to play multiple times. And, I just I thought that if any group of people could beat the hell out of a discussion with this game, it's us. And so I figured, you know, we've all played it, we've all enjoyed it. Why not? Hell yeah! Fair enough. I Sounds like good it. To me, yeah. So I know some of these words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the sequel slash uh, somewhat of a remake, but not really of uh, a link to the past. Uh, it takes place in the same world, uses a lot of the same items and, and concepts, but it is a brand new Zelda adventure on the 3DS. This came out in late 2013. And oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I think it's one of the best titles on the 3DS hands down. And, and I mean, maybe I'm a little bit biased because Zelda's my favorite video game series, but I remember getting this game as soon as it came out, uh, just immediately blowing through it doing everything there is to do in this game and as i've mentioned several times whenever we bring this up i have a very vivid memory of staying up very late on i want to say a school night but then again i was a was a senior at that point and i was i was homeschooled so maybe i had some maybe i'd work or something the next morning but i was staying up well past the point i was supposed to playing this stupid fucking baseball mini game <laughs> trying to get the last piece of heart in the game <laughs> it's so yeah. hard to like it's so hard to sit there and just try to figure out exactly when to hit the button because it doesn't feel like you can be consistent honestly it's a guessing game and it's fun to hit the ravens though <laughs> or crows whatever they are I'll tell you what, I got that piece of heart most recently because I've almost beat this game 100%. I got all the heart pieces. I just have uh, the Treacherous Tower to finish and then Lowell Castle. But uh, it was a lot more, uh, it was a lot easier this time around. But still, they, like you said, it's a bit of a guessing game. So yeah, fuck that minigame and fuck the Cucko minigame too. That yes. is the one thing that I will probably not do and consider myself to 100% complete this game. Because if fuck you want to keep the nine... tiny little bit of sanity that you have, don't ever do it again. Yeah. Don't, just don't. Yeah. Some of those mini games can definitely drive you to uh, to the point of insanity with, with this game. Um but it came out, I mean, 2013, which is weird to think that that was nine years ago, just about this game came out. <laughs> and it, um, I remember covering the release of this game. I had just graduated college and I was doing like some like freelance volunteer writing for a couple of video game sites at the time. So this game for me was at a very like pivotal point in my career as a, as a games writer and journalist of like, this was the first time that I was following a release and writing about it and trying to learn about it. And for whatever reason, that didn't interest me in playing it. I grew up with 3D Zeldas, so the top down, I wasn't interested. And then that year for Christmas, uh, my girlfriend ended up getting it for me. And she was like, I think you love Zelda. Like, I think you would really like this game. And I picked it up and I 
did. Uh, and so I played it and I was working as an EMT at the time. So I was just like on the ambulance, like playing this game. And then we get a call and I would go and take someone to the hospital and then I'd play some more. And it, uh, it, it was great. I played through the whole game. It was a really good time. <laughs> Doing like chest compressions. Hold on, buddy. I got to get the heart piece. Hold on. <laughs> yep, exactly. Like, all right, we got this. This is fine. Just let me get one of the music that is, you know, the right beat for CPR. We're good to go. <laughs> but fond memories. And I was, I mean, I was working a lot of overnights back then too. So like this game was perfect. If I couldn't sleep, I would just like, you know, be in the base in my sleeping bag and, and play in Zelda. So it, uh, it was cool. And this for me, I mean, this game was similar to some of those original Zelda titles, right? But based on my experience, where I'd played a lot of the console ones from the N64 on, breaking the mold with going to, like, any dungeon in any order you wanted to go, you could get basically any item early on in the game if you wanted. You could prioritize. So it shifted things in that way and made it, like... It was almost almost like an Animal Crossing game in a way. Like, it's just do what you want to do. Like, go explore what you want to go see. That was really cool. New analogy, Link Between Worlds, the Animal Crossing of Zelda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's really interesting because for being a game that, you know, obviously used the same world as A Link to the Past and, and occupied, a, you know, that kind of that same space of the timeline, they actually wanted to break a lot of molds and, and really kind of uh, break conventions in Zelda. And bear in mind, this was right after Skyward Sword, which is largely considered one of the most linear Zelda games. And they decided mm -hmm. to kind of make this open-ended format that arguably laid the groundwork for Breath of the Wild. Yeah, Being... I would say so, yeah. Yeah. yeah be... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, a short tangent that, like, Skyward Sword, uh, that game got a lot of criticism, and I feel like we needed that game for Breath of the Wild to come out and do the thing it did. And this was, like, a nice stopgap kind of between them, right? And... uh yeah, it's it's. I mean, it was like a 2D version of being able, or, or a 2D, 3D, whatever you want to call it. It was on the 3DS um, to uh, you know get get the. I think the development team thinking in the way that they needed to to be able to bring Breath of the Wild to life. Right. One hundred percent. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So being able to complete most of the dungeons in any order was was kind of a big deal. Back in the very first Zelda game, there were some dungeons that you could do out of order, but. You know, there, there, there were still you still had to mostly complete it within a certain way. In uh, a link between worlds, you got to go to the Eastern Palace, but then you can do the uh, Tower of Hera or the what was it called, the Palace of Winds or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you can do either one of those first, and then the other, and then once you get to low roll, any of the low roll dungeons can be done in any order. Um, except you do have to do Thieves' Hideout before you do the uh, the Desert Palace, that being the only exception. But other than that, I mean, you can you can go about these in any way. And I really got to experiment with that with my current playthrough. I mean, the first time I played the game, I didn't really know what was going on. Uh, this was back in 2013, so I was just kind of moving along and trying to go along what I felt was the best path or you know what 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 i thought was was most logical at the time but even then i was kind of discovering these this time i decided to go after my first dungeon uh, or sorry my my favorite dungeon first which was the thieves hideout that this one... game scared the hell out of me dude really <laughs> yes cuz i'm so used to ocarina of time and you know like when i had played this you know like i was still playing the gamecube a lot and i have like 3,000 fucking playthroughs of Twilight Princess. We all know that's my favorite. Um, so, like, they're like, 
I remember my friends telling me about it in school and they're like, yeah, you can do any dungeon. And I'm like, the fuck? You don't have to like go here, then go here, then time travel, then go here. And they're like, no, you just do whatever the fuck you want. I'm like, huh? I'm sorry, what? (laughs) A a non-linear Zelda game is a breath of fresh air. And I think the way that they did it with A Link Between Worlds is a fantastic... I mean, of course, yeah, there's some things that you have to do, like the Thieves Hideout before the Desert Palace. But given the fact that you can kind of choose your own path, I really like that. And I think... I think Breath of the Wild, you know, everybody knows that that was a completely brand new take on the Zelda series, but that opens up the series to so many possibilities. And so I think A Link Between Worlds hinted at that just right, in the best way possible. And that's why I, that's why I look at it as the nicest 2D top-down Zelda game, even though it's technically 3D, because it's, you know, on the 3DS. It's 2.5D is what you would normally call this. <laughs> And then that—that's the actual term—is that it's—it's—it's three it's, it's D models from a two D perspective, uh, like uh, Metroid Dread or yeah. uh, New Super Mario Brothers. But what's interesting about a link between the worlds is even two point five D doesn't quite cover it because with the wall merge mechanic, which I, I believe was one of the first mm. uh, aspects that was developed, you know, before this game was even conceived as a sequel to a link to the past, the wall merge- merging mechanic was was uh, pitched. That basically turns the world into 3D. And it, it's kind of similar to what Super Paper Mario did, if any of you have played that game. But by being able to yeah. shift into uh, another dimension, it opens up a lot of puzzle opportunities. And I really think that that's what sets this game apart, is that you know they could have just retreaded A Link to the Past, but they didn't. They decided to try out some really cool ideas and, and having so many puzzles uh, being implemented around this gimmick uh, w- was actually a lot of fun. I like being able to explore the world in different ways and actually getting to see that, you know, what we thought was a top-down perspective is actually kind of, uh, well, well, everything's kind of slanted <laughs> in world, which was mm-hmm. odd. But, you know, when, when you look at it from this angle, you're like, well, yeah, that that's how it would look like, right? <laughs> It, it reminded me a lot of being up. like upside down uh, in uh, Twilight Princess. Yeah, I don't know if any. Yeah, that's that's how. Anyways, Dan, sorry. <laughs> no, it's just the, shifting the perspective is is was cool. I mean, up until um, like Megan, you had mentioned Twilight Princess. Like, you know, there are different games that will kind of play with the perspective, and it makes me want to see if they were to bring this mechanic into a full on like three D Zelda game. What would that be like? And it's uh, it's just cool. Like this game stands out. And it's the one Zelda game, I mean, it's, you know, of course, successor to, like, Link to the Past. A lot of people, uh, you know, kind of compare the two. But I find that this game is kind of the one that will stand on its own the most as being, like, a unique Zelda title um, compared to the others. Just because there's so much you can do. Um, Ash, you were talking about, like, mini games earlier. Probably stuff that I never got around to doing. Like, I played the main story, and then I I kind of, you know, cut out after that. But it is making me want to go revisit this game uh and really just like man i I love the 3ds like that was such a good console um and it's you know really sad that we're just i love the success of the switch but it definitely made it so that the the 3ds kind of had to sunset and have its time so that's you know that's where we're at with that god that just made me sad as hell yeah (laughs) 
And this is one of the games I think that best uh, implemented the 3D features of the 3DS. I mean, I actually spent quite a bit of the time in my most recent playthrough and prep for this episode uh, uh, playing in 3D so that I, you know, and, and really taking full advantage of that. And it, it's a lot of fun. I love being able to, especially when you shift into the 3D space and seeing the flat link. Uh, there's just kind of this juxtaposition that, that that's really, really interesting. And the stereoscopic 3D really takes advantage of that in this game. I think it's not one of those games that actually turned the the 3D mechanic into a gimmick, which not a lot of 3DS games did because they wanted people to be able to play this game in 2D, but I think it does enhance the experience a little bit. And uh, if you have a if you have a new 3DS, like I have uh, I have my new 3DS XL here, um, which most of the paint is worn off. I was gonna say, what happened to that poor 3DS? <laughs> I actually it survived seven house fires. It got played. <laughs> I bought it this way, so my original 3DS failed on me, and then I bought another 3DS XL, uh, or my uh, my ex girlfriend got one for me, and then I spilled soda on it. So I bought this off of uh, eBay or something, and actually some of the paint was already coming off of it. But whatever, I got a 3DS that works right, and the the, the paint came off, but. Uh, what's really nice is that it has the face tracking 3D. So one of the only irritating things about playing in 3D was that you know if you just move your face a little bit, it you know you lose it and it looks yep. all blurry. Uh, the, the new 3DS actually tracks your face a little bit. So the second it gets blurry, it'll kind of adjust, track your face, and then it, it, it's right as rain again. That's pretty cool. I didn't I didn't know that. Didn't I never you? had that feature. Damn. It's it's really cool and it was a, a big upgrade upgrade. I got the original 3DS at launch. I was a poor college student, but I was so excited so like I saved Same. all of all of my, you know, work study money and the day it came out, I woke up and like I drove to a Target and I bought it and it didn't release with like any games or maybe two or three games at launch, but it was Pokémon Black and White. I think it come out not too long before that. Not a 3DS game, regular DS, but I wanted to play that on my on my 3DS. Um, but then I upgraded to the new 3DS XL, uh, specifically when the Majora's Mask one came out, because I really wanted that. Um, and I still have that. It's in like a you know protected case. Like I've, I've taken good care of this thing. Um, and the 3DS XL, I mean, I was again being an EMT. I remember I was in the ambulance when the Nintendo Direct happened, and then pre-orders went up, and I was like, I gotta get this. And from my phone, I was able to to pre-order the Majora's Mask one. Um, but there's uh, it's the technology is really cool, and honestly, having the bigger screen did these games. Um, they they did them justice. Now, A Link Between Worlds, I played on my smaller regular 3DS, so I really should give it a proper playthrough and enjoy it on the newer screen because I, I imagine it would look so good on that system. Yeah, playing with the 3D is difficult without that face tracking because it's very, very easy to lose that full 3D effect. So most of the time, I just turned it off. Yeah, yeah just don't move your head at all, and, and you're fine. Have you seen how big this thing is? That is impossible. <laughs> I've well, gravitational pull.
Ocarina 3D and Majora 3D had this gyroscope feature, which was actually really nice. I actually used it. I thought it was a lot better than aiming with the uh, the circle pad, but you, it was almost impossible to keep the 3D on and use the gyroscope mechanic. <laughs> uh, this game yeah. does not make use of that because it's a top-down Zelda game. So they actually uh, they kind of just more focused on the uh, the the button experience. But there are uh, quite a few touchscreen controls in this game. I mean, I, I liked, uh, for instance, the ability to quick swap items, or I think they call it quick select, was actually really nice. You don't unlock it until you get a little bit further into the game, but uh, instead of having to pause the game and, and change out your items every time, they took some cues from, like, uh, Skyward Sword and uh, implemented the ability to just sort of swap your items on the fly, which, you know, it's not going to be helpful if you're in the middle of combat and you're trying to avoid getting hit, but if you've got a quick moment to just... And you can even kind of configure your item menu. You can change the placements of the uh, of the items in your inventory and even select which ones are going to be available in your quick select menu. So that, that actually opens up a lot. And that's not even getting into the whole item rental system. So what was really... What really another feature that set this game apart and complemented the open-ended nature of the game and the fact that you could tackle the dungeons in almost any order is the fact that you could rent items from Ravio. And whenever, who, who uh, makes shop at Link's house on, on the overworld. And whenever you rent an item, you have that item, you can use it. And then when you die, you you lose it and you have to go back and you have to rent it again. Now later on in the mm -hmm. game of course you can permanently buy the item and then you can fully upgrade it and that's going to be worth in the long run but early game, you know, there's kind of this this balance and trying to figure out what items you want to take with you and while each dungeon is centered around a particular item, there are going to be some that are just going to be useful to have on you. I like the fire rod. I I think the first time I played this game I slept on the fire rod. The fire rod, and especially the upgraded fire rod, is a powerhouse. Dude, I swear, every item that I use, you sleep on. Swear. <laughs> like, if we talked about this in Horizon. I was talking about how I used something, and Ash was like, oh, no, I never really used that. I was like, bro, that was my most used fucking item. Like, how, what? Like, the fire rod was my favorite item. I don't understand, sir. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess I just I just didn't really play around with it a whole lot. But when, I think... And when when I got in this playthrough and I used it for the first time, renting it, I was kind of like, eh, whatever. But then when I upgraded it, it pretty much it's replaces OP. the bow almost in most it's, areas. It's OP. Yeah, it's absolutely. nice because it can even go up and down stairs, and it just keeps going and it continually damages. So it's really nice, especially in a boss fight when you stun the boss. Instead of going at him with your sword, hit the fire rod and then go at him with your sword. <laughs> yes. That's what I do. Yes. <laughs> I tend to really like elemental weapons in games in general. So the fire rod and ice rod in this game were great. Um, of course, I always tend to default to bows in any game that you offer a bow. I just I pick it up and use it. Um, but the the rental system was cool. Being able to um, both, you know, for relatively inexpensively for rubies or, or rupees, excuse me, uh, play you know play around with these items, check out different items, um, or just make a whole bunch and then rent everything in the store at once, and then you have them all. And uh, a lot of the dungeons, I mean, the main thing that limited you from getting to a dungeon was. How having the item you needed to enter it. So that mechanic allowed you to just switch out different items that you need and tackle the dungeons in any order. So it was really cool. 
Yeah, I'm definitely the piece of shit that Rupee farmed until I could just buy every <laughs> single <laughs> Yep. 100%, but, uh, yes. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, that's... we're both pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we're in agreement there. Wow! <laughs> well, and, and this game is pretty liberal with the rupees. I mean, most the most common... Uh, treasure that you're gonna that you're gonna come across in a treasure chest or whenever you go to one of those like treasure rooms across the overworld uh you're gonna get rupees and so this game actually kind of pushes you towards that and there is no wallet limit no wallet upgrades from the very beginning of the game to the end of it you can hold 9999 rupees and you're gonna want to stock those up because in addition to the rental items there are a few side quests that revolve around that like the the rupee fairy and then that stupid bastard that charges you 888 rupees for a fucking b fuck that guy i hate him <laughs> fuck that dude don't worry i saved beforehand and then and then i uh, i reloaded and i forgot about that i played when i when my most recent playthrough and prep for this episode i i fell for it but it's okay because i reloaded i was like no i am not giving you 800 rupees fuck you <laughs> i'm ashamed of you sir <laughs> Hey man, you could just go balls to the wall and go my my hunting with all of the items in your inventory. Also, that's another thing I like about the game. You can kind of hear the little squeaks looking for the my mys. I know uh, we can. Uh, never mind. I'm just going in circles in my head. But yeah, that's like one of my favorite parts of the game is the my my hunting. And normally I hate searching for stuff like that in games, but for some reason it was just very cute to hear the squeak and then go nuts trying to find it. Yes. Oh, They're yeah, so no, cute. the My My side quest is actually kind of fun, and uh, it doesn't take that long, and actually, you're kind of motivated to do it because it's how you upgrade your items. So once you've permanently bought an item and you collect 10 My Mys, you can upgrade an item for, for 10 My Mys each, and uh, it's totally worth it because the upgraded items are, are just powerhouses. The amount of time I spent fucking My My hunting, bro. <laughs> I, I could have, I could have, like, done some pre-AP shit and got a better college degree with that amount of time. <laughs> Dead ass. I think your time was well spent, and uh, and now you're here, and now you're talking about it, so very That's well true. spent. Exactly. You would have told me this four years ago, I would have been like, huh? I'm on a what? <laughs> Doing what? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, what were uh, what, what were you guys' or if you, if you can remember from the last time you played or the first time you played, what, what, what were you guys' dungeon orders? And what were your favorite dungeons in this game? Oh, shit. I'd have to go back and, like, remember all the names of the dungeons. Hold up, hold up. I got an answer for you. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. A long yeah, I, between worlds. I had pulled this up a second ago, but I don't have it in front of me anymore. I remember, and you guys probably know being, having played it okay. more recently, is there, okay. like, the Dark Palace is one... I believe, um, or Palace of Darkness or whatever it is. That was one of the last dungeons that I did. And I remember I saved that toward the end of the game. Um, and I remember that because when I was telling my coworker about it, that was like one of the first dungeons that he went and played through. So it was, we were like comparing notes on, you know, what dungeon order we were doing. So I remember that was toward the end of the game for me. I think I did the same thing. There's 12 dungeons too. That's what's ridiculous. And that's great. Like I fucking love that. So give me a second. I'm pulling up a list here. The uh, the Dark Palace was cool because there's this whole like stealth section beforehand too. And I always love when Zelda has like a stealth section, like one part of the game where you can't just fight enemies, and it kind of challenges you to uh, to use your wits and maneuver around. And in this case, use you know that wall merge mechanic. 
I really liked how, I mean, this is kind of indicative of any 2D Zelda game, but the unique locations that each dungeon was located in and how getting into the dungeon kind of became like a puzzle in and of itself of how to access the part of the map that it was on and how to get inside and then doing the actual dungeon itself. Uh, So that added, I think that like really padded the gameplay time for this game of just like exploring the overworld and figuring out how one region connects to another. Yeah, especially with, uh, you know, the the interconnectedness between Hyrule and Lowrule, which obviously works very similarly to the way that the Light World and the Dark World worked in uh, A Link to the Past. But I want to say that it's a little bit tighter in this game. And, and I like how they threw you a few curveballs. Like, some of the dungeons were located in different areas. Like, Turtle Rock is in the lake, and the Ice Ruins is at Death Mountain. Because go figure. <laughs> mm-hmm. So even I think I did it pretty basic, bitch, now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm pretty sure I just did, like, Eastern Palace, Gales, Hera, Castle, Hideout, Desert Palace, Dark Palace, Swamp Palace. So I did those three in order. And then I did Skullwoods. Turtle Rock ruins in the castle. I, w- I was pretty basic about it. It's fine. Everything's fine. I, d- I-, I followed a walkthrough because I was like, I-, I just was so lost because I did not realize that you could just go wherever the fuck you wanted. And I was just like so busy hunting my minds that I was just like, you know what? It's fine. Like everything's fine. And I was like, which way do I go? Fuck. I don't know. There's no indication of where I need to go. So I just followed the walkthrough. If I remember correctly, I went through a pretty basic dungeon order. My first playthrough. Uh, which, by the way, my save file somehow made it onto my new 3DS, so it's there. Uh, the right. folks over at Nintendo Support were oh. especially helpful at transferring data. Yeah, no, it, it's actually fantastic. Oh. But um, yeah, so I, I actually have my original save file, but I played this time on Hero Mode, which was new. Uh, and Oof. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute, because Hero Mode is, is, is actually treated uh, pretty interestingly in this game. But my dungeon order this time was I went straight after the Thieves' Hideout because I remember that was one of my favorite dungeons. In fact, I think it was on my top five list or top ten list, whatever. I did that on the bonus round. Yeah. But the uh, the Thieves' Hideout is a lot of fun. I love the whole mechanic where you know you're 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 taking the thief girl around and you gotta solve puzzles together. I love the boss. Uh, it's just a really interesting dungeon. So I went after that first, and then you get the sand rod as a result of completing that dungeon. So naturally, I went to the Desert Palace next. I then went to the Swamp Palace, uh, and then the Skull Woods, and then I went back to the the three palaces that represent, I guess, Hyrulean palaces, which would be the... So uh, you did it big brain, and I'm over here being a dumbass. 10-4, my guy. Just this most recent (laughs) playthrough, because I'd played through it once already. But my my first time was pretty basic. <laughs> I mean, I had no idea what I was doing my first time, so I couldn't even tell you if it, if it was basic or or backwards or whatever. Um, but I do know. So, like, Breath of the Wild opens up in a way that once you're off the Great Plateau, you can go anywhere, right? But the game kind of guides you and pushes you in a direction of like, oh well, Kakariko Village is in this direction. Why don't you go there right. and talk to Impa and 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 you know, there there. <laughs> They're always kind of guiding you to the next location. 
And for that game, I was like, well, I don't want to do things like out of order. Like I want to follow the story in the way that Nintendo wants me to play. So like you, you could go right to Hyrule Castle if you want to. I avoided that part of the game for so long because I was like, nope, not supposed to go there yet. I'm just, I don't want to see what's there until I'm, I'm good and ready in the story. I did not feel that same kind of pressure or guidance from A Link Between Worlds. It felt much more like, oh, it's open and here are these dungeons I need to go. Okay, go do them. Uh, in whichever order you like. Um, maybe the, the game tries to guide you a little bit, but I felt it was much more open to really just do things, you know, at your own pace and the way you want to do them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you could go through the Link to the Past order, but even that's not going to be, you know, quick, you know, surefire because the locations of the dungeons are different. So it's like, oh, well, you want to go for Turtle Rock? <laughs> Surprise, bitch. This is the ice ruins. <laughs> Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, Thank uh, you for quoting Dexter. I love you for that. Um, <laughs> more fries, I, motherfucker. Maybe for, like, I mean, this game, the 10-year anniversary is going to be next year. Maybe I should actually visit A Link to the Past, uh, which is a Zelda game I've never beaten. I've never finished. So, Oh, Same. it's so good, brother. That would be a good opportunity, I think, to play. It's one of the only Zelda games I have not beaten. I've gotten as far as the Swamp Palace, but that's as far as I've gotten in A Link to the Past. Sounds like we should play that together, and then we can do an episode about it. I'm down. I mean, that's a Zelda game that I kind of feel like there's a there's a uh, a gap in my in my Zelda game Mm -hmm. knowledge because I've beat the original. uh, Fuck Zelda two. That's way too fucking hard. (laughs) I've never gotten very far in it. Someday I'm going to save state my way through that game when I have the motivation. Exactly. I will tell you, Dan, it is painful and it's a very long game, but it's it's really well done. That's good to know. The music's good, too. I have a uh, I made a 40 by 40 list uh, of just things I want to do. Um, I'm, I'm 31 now, so I got a little bit of time. But I uh, one of them is beat most major Zelda home console games. I didn't put every Zelda home console game because I know that would drive me crazy. But I do want to beat the majority of them. So like the original Zelda, A Link to the Past, uh, those are definitely on my list for completing. You know, at some point this decade, when when I have the time for it, when there aren't like 18 brand new AAA co- titles coming out in a year for me to play it's fine it's casual yeah exactly (laughs) i still haven't even finished a couple of games because i'm just so scared to finish them and not have that first playthrough the for for the first time so i have a lot of catching up to do yeah i i just i get stuck in like the the thought of the first experience that i don't play it and i'm like "Mm, i should probably do that so yeah what what, what were you some of you guys favorite dungeons i mean dan i think you mentioned quite a few of them when we did our zelda dungeons episode I think I did, and I wish I had like referred to that episode because now I don't remember. Um, but I know so the the thieves hideout I remember was was a cool dungeon to go through, and I think that did a good job of kind of like showcasing the elements of the game and um, you know having some of like the puzzles that were involved were were just like a good way to go about you know figuring out what is this palace all all about or I'm playing Persona Five what. Is is this dungeon all about and what are we you know how do you like you know defeat the boss and and all this stuff um so that is i think one that definitely sticks out to me uh but i'm curious to see you know what dungeons you guys have like you know what stands out in your memories of what you uh remember when playing through Steve's hideout for sure. That was my favorite. I think that I, I Ash and I were talking about that actually on the review uh, of the dungeons um because I was comparing that to the uh, forest temple with the monkey. 
And I was like, it's just, I was like, they're harmonious of each other. So that one sticks out to me is like the most evident because like any game where I can have a companion, whether it be Lydia sitting there saying that she's sworn to carry my burdens with a sassy ass face and getting in my way or like just running around with somebody. I love it. Turtle rock, baby. Interesting. Turtle, Turtle rock is my favorite in a link to the past, a link between worlds and links awakening. Okay. All right. Okay. It's one of the more punishing dungeons, I would say, in this game. That's why I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's hard as fuck. And I love a challenge, man. Sometimes I feel like the earlier Zelda games were a little bit easier. Most of the time, there is some really hard stuff, especially going back and playing it on hero mode. Like Skyward Sword on hero mode is unforgiving. That game is difficult. But I love Turtle Rock because it's a challenge. Turtle Rock is challenging. Um, I also had the, uh, I think Ice Ruins was a, was a pretty tough one too. And I actually saved those two for last this playthrough, but I would say Thieves Hideout and, uh, the Skullwoods, uh, the Skullwoods. And the, what's interesting is those are both dungeons that don't center around items. So they're like dungeons that had puzzles just centered around their own mechanics. And they actually achieved that really well. Uh, the Skullwoods kind of has the, the, uh, wall masters coming after you the whole time. And I hate Wallmasters, but I love some of the ways that you implement that they uh, work puzzles around that. Like having the hand come down and hit a switch, and, and the fact that like you know half of the dungeon you know takes place across different parts of the uh, of the Skullwoods, so it's not really even clear like what part is the dungeon and what part's the overworld, right? Yep, that's true. Yeah, I could see that. I feel like. Looking at even just screenshots of this game, like the art style is so cool. These dungeons are so well realized. Uh, I had mentioned earlier, I really love elemental items. So going into like the ice ruins and being able to melt the ice with the fire rod. Um, so fun. It it makes me either, it makes me want two things. One, like bring this game to Switch. It deserves to be on the Switch and, yes. and more people to check it out. And two, uh, let's do a Switch 3D. Like I am maybe in the minority where I love the 3D effect of the 3ds if they were to do that on a larger scale with a console the size of the switch i would have no complaints that would be so cool oh yeah Ooh. Mm -hmm. right i agree that this game needs to come to switch i was actually just thinking about that while playing this like i would love to see a port of this game to switch and and then the additional buttons on the switch would allow uh to compensate for uh not having to rely on touch controls but keep the touch controls in there anyway because the switch has a touch screen so that yeah. way players can kind of go either or with it. But yeah, no, this game would feel great on the Switch. I would love to see it get remastered. And, and you know, I, I feel like it's kind of an underrated title in the series. I mean, this was sort of to kind of bridge the gap between Skyward Sword and uh, Breath of the Wild, uh, which it accomplished along with its, uh, well, we, we, we just won't speak of it. Triforce I ain't saying nothing if you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we spoke of it. Here we go. Oh, we lost the game. Damn it. Apparently, (laughs) the Lincoln Triforce Heroes is the same one from uh, Link Between Worlds. Inexplicably, despite the fact that he's drawn in Toon Link style, because uh, I think that was Aonuma who decided to do that. Why? I'll never know. Yeah. I don't know. I I liked Four Swords (laughs) better than Triforce Heroes. Personally, Fire Force Heroes was just, I was like, porque why? Pero why? Well, it's like, I play Zelda because I'm, 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 I'm lonely and I'm too awkward to play video games with friends. Okay. Don't make a Zelda game that, 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 that centers around a multiplayer mechanic. Come on. 
that's Nintendo for you. I, I'm an introvert, Honestly. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I like, uh, so you you had mentioned uh, Aonuma Ash, and I like, um, it's it's worth remembering that this game was released and developed during the time when uh, Iwata was president of Nintendo. And I like remembering that because we lost him in 2015, and his his legacy i mean nintendo continued to release games for years after that where he was still listed in the credits of having a hand in the development of that game and um nintendo has you know they struggled with the wii u i love the wii u i, I think probably many of us on this call do but yeah. we um we uh you know iwata really saw i think nintendo struggle for a while and um a link between worlds and the 3ds in general i mean the ds if you count the ds and 3ds it sold over 100 million units it's one of the best selling units of all uh, consoles of all time and it's um it just makes me feel just really glad that when nintendo is in their like best form and firing on all cylinders we get really cool really creative stuff and i feel like in a sense we have that now with the switch um but there there was a lull for a few years and this kind of just preceded that a bit and made it you know a time when nintendo was doing some really cool creative stuff and we got a link between worlds uh, out of it oh yeah yeah man. i'm hoping I that nintendo does some cool shit Cause like I mean, for me, I felt quite a bit of a lull. Cause Alan got me the Switch when he started um, the degree that he just finished, and I I like got I, he got me Breath of the Wild. I remember that, and it came with Mario Kart Eight, which is very very fun. If anybody loves Mario Kart, um, and then Animal Crossing, cause everybody played Animal Crossing during the pandemic. But I, Alan yeah. just never got the chance to get me a Switch because like you know they were sold out. It was like PlayStations right now. You just can't find them. Um, so. I, I'm hoping for a little bit more of a resurgence because like you were saying with the 3DS getting at sunset, I don't want that to happen to the Switch because I love my Switch and my stepdaughter just got one. So I'm wanting to find more games to play with her and I, I want a really cool creative game to come forward. And I'm hoping that Tears of the Kingdom is just going to knock our freaking socks off because I just I, I can't handle the Switch having at sunset and uh, taking it out back like an old dog. I don't think we don't have to worry about that for a, a long, long time. And Zach, you can go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't think we have to worry about Tears of the Kingdom being bad. or I think it's going to be a masterpiece. They're going to take the best parts of Breath of the Wild, make them even better, and they're going to take the shit from Breath of the Wild. <coughs> story! <coughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, had to get that out. Um, but uh, they're going to take the bad things and just make them absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah. What really, what I find most interesting, so it has been over six years uh, or will be coming up on six years since the release of Breath of the Wild. That is the longest we have ever gone between Zelda releases since it came out. And it's using the same engine and same assets as Breath of the Wild. Right? So what have they been doing for six years? That's what I want to know. What? What have they done and created to justify this long, long gap on a game that, for all intents and purposes, like, was there? The framework was there. I just, I don't know what it's going to be, and I'm really excited to find out. Dan's going to walk up to one of these guys' houses all kitted up, like, FBI, open up! Why the fuck did this game take so long? Where the hell are you? <laughs> I think the answer is probably the same as what Retro Studios has been doing with Metroid Prime 4. <laughs> 
Facts. Oh my fucking god. I don't even want to talk about also it. Also a my mystery. Brain. They just re- like a month ago Retro put out a job title for someone to work on Metroid Prime 4. I'm like, how are you still hiring for this game? What are you doing? It's it's like Anthem all over again. They're still hiring staff even though the game was shut down. Yeah. Like why? Why are you hurting us like this? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it'll be phenomenal. And I'm excited about Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, one more thing I think that we should really, uh, that I wanted to bring up on this episode while we're talking about the gameplay. And in part two, we're going to kind of get more into the story, the characters, the soundtrack. Uh, deliberately <laughs> haven't uh, brought that up yet, but uh, hero mode. So one complaint about this game, one maybe one of the most, minor, like one of the only complaints is that it is a little bit easy. And the dungeons are very fast, but they're kind of short and sweet, and that's what's nice about them. But if you felt that you that the game was a little bit too easy, the combat wasn't difficult enough, that the game wasn't long enough, try out Hero Mode. Because Hero Mode is treated a little bit differently in A Link Between Worlds than it is in other Zelda games. So in, in most Zelda games, uh, enemies deal double damage, and there are no hearts. They don't spawn hearts. In A Link Between Worlds enemies deal four times as much damage but you do still spawn hearts which you'll need because wow in the early game this game is overwhelmingly difficult in hero mode like for the first three or four dungeons you are going to have a hell of a time before you start getting some heart containers because most of the enemies can kill you in uh, a couple hits and some of the enemies in fact i remember i went straight for the thieves hideout there's one room where there's a bunch of those uh, those those big armor guys with the eyes that in this dark room that come after you at once and they will kill you in one hit if you <laughs> it, it happened to be several times it was it was very frustrating so why do I feel like I would pull a Jedi Fallen Order and not realize how like finding heart pieces in hero mode and I would just go through with like two pieces of heart I just have a gut <laughs> feeling I would do that. Yeah, the entire play- time I played Jedi Fallen Order, I went through with three fucking stims. And Ash goes, you know, there's like eight, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's ten. There are ten. And they are hard. The Like, two of them are really fucking hard to find. But, I mean, you feel OP as fuck. <laughs> yeah, no, Trilla. I went through the but whole yeah. goddamn game with three stims. So I can only imagine <laughs> me playing in hero My mode, God. just having like two pieces of heart. Like, how the fuck do I do this? <laughs> Hell no. I think when I had played through Skyward Sword on Switch, I had played through on Hero Mode, and that was definitely challenging. Funnily enough, because Skyward Sword is a game that I think gets the most criticism by fans and people who've played. A lot of people don't like the, the motion controls. I loved that game in 2011 when it released, and I beat it, and like I've been apologizing for that game forever. I played it on Switch, and I I just don't feel it has aged well. And I was markedly like more annoyed with that game playing it through a second time than I ever was the first to the point where I stopped motion controls altogether. I just used the, the joy cons to use those. And, um, but even that, like, there was a point in the game where I felt the game should have been over, and then it continued for 10 more hours. And it, it just kind of overstayed its welcome, in my opinion. Zach's about to throw hands. 
No, not it's fine. It's fine. I can, my blood pressure is back down to normal, which is good. Take another so shot. I'm, I'm gonna keep it. No, 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 no. No, it's fine. No, no, no. I mean, the thing with Zelda games, right? Even the ones that you criticize the most, like they're still good fucking games, right? So unless it's, it's Zelda two, it's like unless Zelda two, we can you know that like exists on its own almost. It's like you know. Most Zelda games, and then you have Zelda 2, and then way off in the corner, there's the CDI Zelda games. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, you, there are different tiers that you can put them to. You know, we actually covered the uh, the Zelda CDI games. So we, our first Zelda game on this podcast, uh, when it was just me and my brother Dakota, was Breath of the Wild. Ooh. And then we did the Zelda CDI games. Or we did... Uh, <laughs> So uh, we did Wand of Gamelon and Faces of Evil. So uh, it's kind of a fun oof. note to open up with, you know, the second Zelda game oof. we did on this podcast. But And Jesus. yes, we did play them. I don't recommend it. They're not fun. 10 out of 10. <laughs> do not recommend. You're better off watching a playthrough or just the cutscenes. Or watching our Let's Play on it. You're better off just using a different console at that point, okay? Just don't even fucking purchase it. The cutscenes are so bad they're good, but the, the gameplay I cannot say the same for. It's just bad. <laughs> to me, the CDIs are like the CGI of the Rock oh, and fucking shit. Scorpion King. Okay, like that is to me what those fucking games. Oh, it's time for me to go to bed. <laughs> you you just piqued my interest, so I looked on eBay. First of all, the CDI like console itself that's that's hard enough to find. The games themselves, I can only find like Dutch language versions, and they're going for minimum two hundred dollars on eBay. Like I kind of <laughs> want to buy one but just, not just to have it not, don't do it don't you dare right dan now. rockwood just to have it just put it on my shelf i can you know arrange my room so when i podcast like this it can be on display behind me like hey want to look at this it's a cdi Dunch. zelda game oh Please shit don't. Well, for the love of god I'm... i may be nordic but god damn it don't i'm already hyped for part two of this shit guys yeah yeah i guess uh we're, we're kind of heading up to that uh that uh parting point of part one we're, we're a little over an hour now so uh and we'll we'll get into more of the gameplay or actually mo- mostly ugh, let me just redo that we'll get into the story the characters the soundtrack and anything else that we didn't cover <laughs> in this episode in part two so stick around uh before we finish this episode off danielson go ahead and talk about victims and villains and where we can find you Absolutely. Well, you can take a listen to Victims and Villains anywhere you can find your podcasts at Victims and Villains. Uh, I myself am over on Twitter for the time being. Uh, I'm over at a DRock64, so uh, you can find me there. Or check out any of the stuff I do for TechRaptor.net. I do a lot of gaming previews and reviews and news and features. Uh, I'm currently working on some stuff for some of the latest releases, like uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns, which I've been having fun with. Um, Ooh, and so some, uh, I, yeah, I've been enjoying it and as a like a card like battle type game I'm not super into those but this is well done the story is well done uh, and it's just a lot of fun if you like Marvel and those characters definitely worth checking out um, but I'm going to be uh, uh, updating uh, or publishing something about that shortly so stay tuned for that and uh, yeah that's all I got for you yeah and I love your work on Tech Raptor. I think the other day we posted uh, I posted a meme about uh, like train sequences and video games and you had an article about that (laughs) that i was so 
stupidly proud of getting that approved because I went to my editor and I'm like, hey, can I write an article about trains? He's like, I think that is just dumb enough and niche enough that people would click on it. So yeah, for go it. for it. I like trains. <laughs> Only something Dan would, I like trains. <laughs> yeah, Fallen, yeah. Fallen Order was one of the games that you mentioned in that article. Uh, I did. There is a train in that game and it's very good. <laughs> yeah, and uh, what, Uncharted 2, that, that goes without mm-hmm. saying. Yep, I mentioned Shadows of the Empire, which uh, the controls of that game on N64 are not great, but I enjoyed <laughs> that train level. Um, yeah, there were some there there's some good trains and games and uh, and more trains to come. So <laughs> keep an eye out if you want to read about trains. You can look up the be- the top ten uh, trains and games. I think it's called on TechRaptor.net. Oh my god, boy, do I have the Zelda game for you. weirdly enough the one that i have only played very very minimal of so i should give that a full playthrough Alrighty, guys well if you enjoyed this episode stay tuned for part two we're gonna get into more a link between the world's content and for our holiday special we are finishing up god of war ragnarok we are gonna get into full spoiler territory zach hopefully you uh, you might be able to join Zach, us you for better that get one. that shit on there, boy. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I don't know if I'll finish the game by then, but I hope to. I don't want to rush through it, though. That's the thing. Like, I am loving this game. So, Zach, so just, just listen to me and listen watch to me your carefully. Mouth. Watch your no, mouth. No, you watch your mouth and finish the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. And yeah, so. Stay tuned for the rest of our December content. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We also have a Facebook group called Collateral Media Podcasts. Kind of our shitposting slash news group where you can interact and uh, be a part of the fun. And you can listen to Collateral Gaming wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, you name it. And if we're not somewhere, let us know. If you are a fellow podcaster, a gamer, streamer, if you want to be on the show, uh, hit us up. If you have any suggestions, any games that you'd like us to explore, especially on the bonus round, uh, we're always open to suggestions. We also have a Patreon. So if you uh, if you want to listen to some of our exclusive Let's Play video game commentaries, you can check out our Patreon as well. Yeah, we need to get more content for that. <laughs> I need <laughs> to get a new capture card before I get to I need to get a capture card. I should probably do that. Me and I need to finish Ragnarok. <laughs> yes, you do. Absolutely. Yes. I just need to play more games. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, just real quick, this is an aside. I've been spending the majority of the last year playing through Persona 5 Royal in real time with the game. Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting toward the end because it ends in December, which is crazy. But then Royal has extra content through the first few months of the year. Uh, but that's been wild. I'm like 137 hours in, but it doesn't feel like it because I've just been playing 20 minutes a day every day since April 9th. So that's what my life has been like this year. You mentioned that actually on our uh, on the uh, Resident Evil Two episode. I remember that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yep. yeah. That is actually really interesting. I haven't gotten into the Persona series, but I- I'd like to. That's it- one of those. It's on my list. It's really great. Literally, the whole theme of the game is like take your time. So like, don't don't feel like you get a rush through that game. Take your time. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Hmm. Okay. Alrighty, folks. Well, that being said. We will see you in part two. I've been Ashley Chancellor. I've been Megan Gomez. I will always be Zachary Gio. And I am, for the time being, Dan Rockwood. (laughs) (laughs) And 
this has been Collateral Gaming with Victims and Villains. We will see you in part two. And happy holidays, folks. Collateral Gaming is a collateral media podcast. All music and game clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.